Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling. J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I busted out my shacket this weekend. The shacket that my girlfriend bought for me last year. See, she pushed me towards shacketry. And I haven't looked back. Shacket, open, hood underneath. Well, you you, you love this. Yeah. Oh, I'm... This whole shacket thing. Oh, I'm I'm walking through like I'm I'm that guy. The Onion did a piece once where a man wearing flannel kicks his way through the leaves in fall. They called him like Fall Man. Well, I was Fall Man at the weekend. That's nice. That's nice. Um, for those same thing, same for those wondering, like... JJ a couple of weeks ago referenced all this with Julian Nagelsman wearing yeah. a shacket, and and so if you want JJ's, if you want to hear his initial feelings on the shacket, go back to that pod from last week. Because he's all over it. I was kind of fall man too, in some yeah. way. So, um, JJ, I'm in extraordinary pain right now. Literal Why? physical pain in every Why? muscle in my body. So last oh, no. week, last week, um, I guess this isn't really a fall activity. Uh, but we came outside to find that our mailbox had been knocked over. And we didn't know how oh, or no. what had happened. Um, and so was it a a coordinated attack. Like, do you actually have an enemy on the block? No, I, but I was, but all those thoughts do run through your head when something like that happens. And I kind of look around and say, okay, well, was this like some kind of act of vandalism? Like our other mailbox knocked down on our block? No, none. I was like, okay, does anybody around here have like a ring? That Cause like, we don't like one of those ring cameras that take basically surveillance video of what happened. No, right. we don't didn't see any of our neighbors that I would ask if they did. So I was like, I guess we'll just never know. It is what it is. Came to find out, Amanda, a few days later, um, saw the mailman. And then he copped to it. He said that he he knocked it over. um, But he said it was 
he went to put mail in it. It tipped over immediately. Um, and then his boss came to inspect it and they determined that termites had ate, had eaten away at the wood and that it had loosened the wood termites. That feels like the dog ate my homework excuse of the mailman world for when this kind of thing happens, but whatever, what are you going to do? So I had to install a new mailbox and I didn't think it would be any kind of issue. I was like, okay, I can handle this. You have to dig like a hole to like put the new post in and all that stuff. I was like, I can do that. I have a shovel, I, whatever. And JJ, I'll tell you what, I'm in so much effing pain from digging this damn hole. Cause you get, how, so the hole has to be like just over two feet deep. And I was like, all right, how, how hard is that? I have, I have a yardstick. I was like, I, I could do that. You get like, so in the first like five minutes, you get like a foot and a half and the last six inches, it's like an hour and a half of just relentless shoveling away millimeter by millimeter, bashing rocks. Cause you get to like a layer of ground, at least where I live, where it becomes like very rocky. Yeah. You have to smash pulverize rocks with this damn shovel. What? And it just, it just ruined me. And I've got like, what are these muscles here, JJ? Is that triceps? That's Things your that triceps. I, they, these muscles haven't been activated in years. And Not like, since you quit that uh, that uh, intramural uh, basketball team because you felt a slight pain in your shoulder. And and suddenly they were all back in action in this way. And I like you know that feeling when you have the flu and your whole body is just sore and achy. Yeah. I it, it's awful. But I am proud of myself because the mailbox is up and it looks beautiful. Can I ask a question? And please don't take this the wrong way. Uh-huh. How have you turned replacing your mailbox into a scene from There Will Be Blood? <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible yeah 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 like, i am an oilman i drink your milkshake that was really good yeah did you come in and shout that at amanda after you finished digging your hole i didn't have the energy or the strength to i crawled back into the house god yeah do you, do you ever that. think uh, i mean science and we will get to the football guys but, but science is pushing us in a direction where resistance training weights it's just so massive for longevity and everything like i know you had that brief flirtation with a rowing machine Uh (laughs) uh-huh that's the right way of putting it yeah yeah you got to get back in the gym brother like seriously i know i haven't had an ounce of you know my schedule currently now i know you you also know that that's about to change but uh, that that (laughs) schedule is like i mean you haven't had time to do anything in my life at all. Andrew works in a content gulag. Is the <laughs> only way it can be described right now. Yeah. Um, and no, I need, you're yeah. right. I haven't done any physical activity except these occasional bursts of activity that then wreck me for a month. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's, but I felt good though. I felt like this is this is what it must be to be like farm strong. You know, because like right. farmers are like really strong, but it's not necessarily because they like are in the gym working out. It's just they're just digging trenches and and yeah. putting in fence posts. I felt like that. And if I could, so I'll just dig holes now. Like that might be how I want to work out from now on. I'll dig holes all over the place. You need your mailbox installed? Reach out to the pod. I'll do it. Bundling mailbox in installation, Inc. I did a great job. Concrete and everything. You 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 poured concrete? Yeah. I'm proud of you now. Yeah. Now you got your real man card. Mm-hmm. Well done. This is even better than when I hacked that tree up with a hatchet. I mean, that caused ripples throughout the caught offside community because people just don't see you as that kind of guy. Why is that? I don't understand. 
Um, I think it's the way you project yourself because okay. if you, if people meet you, they would never think, oh, well, this is a man who is who is not used to physical labor or physical activity because you're not, you know, you're not terribly out of shape apart from the odd pockets of fat that have mm. developed sure. in, in strange areas. Well documented. You have, you have an athletic backdrop, like, you know, you play basketball and stuff. So you don't look like a guy that couldn't do these things. It's the way... You talk about them as such epic tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why. Makes Speaking sense. of epic tasks, if we don't start this podcast, this will be an epic task. What a show. There's a lot of Premier League to get to. It was a big weekend, aren't they all? So we'll do that. Um, mm-hmm. Also a big weekend in MLS. It was decision day, and now the playoffs are finally here. And so we'll give some of our thoughts on that. Um, and also uh, we'll get to it in the second half of the podcast. But uh, boy, the soccer world lost an absolute legend over the weekend um and so we'll uh we will talk about that person as well but uh jj we start in england in the premier league as domestic football returned from the international break and we start with what was really uh, undeniably the 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 match of the weekend between chelsea and arsenal as they play out to a a really exciting 2-2 draw chelsea going up two goals arsenal storming back in the last 15 minutes or so. Um, and I'll, I'll start out with the, the basic question that we ask after a lot of these high profile, prominent draws. We always say in every one of these draws, there is a winner and a loser. And in this one, I got to say, JJ, I'm having, I'm having a little bit harder of a time identifying who is playing which role in this one. What do you think? Yeah, I I was the same. So I've kind of hedged my bets a bit on this one and I've split the difference. So in the context in the 90 minutes, Arsenal are the winner. Definitely, yeah. From from 2-0 down in a game they appear to be dead and buried in and a game they were not playing particularly well in, more of which we will get to, to come back, get a point at Stamford Bridge is a brilliant result. The larger, more general picture, Chelsea are the winners because this was like a cogent well-played performance against the side that finished second last season and has been going decently this season, more than decently, has been going well this season. So that's the sign that people needed um, to show that the last few results have actually been indicative of an uptick in performance and that Chelsea are heading in the right way. Now, that's that's me copping out a little bit, but I do feel uh, context in the 90 minutes, Arsenal are the winners, broader picture, Chelsea. That That is probably... The correct way of looking at it. I mean, we, we can try to make it black and white all we want, but it may just not be a black and white situation. Um, yeah, especially too. I mean, look, part of it in terms of the, the bigger narrative, part of it also depends on how it is you view Chelsea. Like if you view them as what they are currently, a mid-table side, then Arsenal, who are trying to contend for titles or a title this season, they got to win those. Like these are the these are games that they have to win if they're going to keep pace with City and I mean I'll, the hell I'll throw Spurs in there. Um, <laughs> they're top of the table, but like you know it, Chelsea haven't been great. And you know we talked about the U.S. being the uh, the get right team for Germany. You know Arsenal didn't want to be that for Chelsea. Um, now Murcio Pochettino he talked about it and he he basically viewed his team as the loser in this one. Uh, he oh. referred to it. He called it two dropped points for Chelsea. Um, and he said that's well, I, and I think in the seventy seventh minute when you're leading by two goals. Yeah, it's two dropped points. And 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 looking, if 
if not a team that's absolutely cut Arsenal open, a team that is playing better than Arsenal in this game. Uh, and, and we'll get to the specifics of how Arsenal got back into the game because that 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 really is important. Um, and 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 I think from that position, you can see why Pochettino is absolutely gutted mm-hmm. by dropping three points or so by before, not winning the game. So before getting to the uh, the Arsenal side of it, I, I did want to ask about Chelsea because for me, I I do kind of wonder if maybe they're the bigger story here, just because. There's this element of Chelsea where, like I said, if you take them for what they are, they're mid-table team. I think they're exactly 10th right now, I believe. Um, However, there's also, because of the money they spend and because of their manager, because of so many of these the well-known prominent players on this team, there's also a sleeping giant element to them. And we're all wondering, when is that giant going to wake up? So are there things that you can take away from this game that make you think, hmm, maybe now we're starting to see that maybe now they're finally starting to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it was good to see Cole Palmer and Sterling give Arsenal's defense problems. Like they didn't really have an out and out number nine to start the game. I know Nicholas Jackson came on and, and um, proceeded to fall over his feet and look not very good in a, in a brief cameo, but Cole Palmer, I mean, Cole Palmer could have seen red. I, I, I understand that with that tackle. Uh, before the penalty goal, but he looked he looked good. Sterling looked like the Sterling of old. Um, for most of the game prior to the Rice goal, okay, they didn't they didn't open up Arsenal, and neither of the goals was by like this incisive Chelsea play. But they were the better side. They certainly were the better side. Um, I think I I I honestly think that there was a there was patterns of play. There was. There was things that Chelsea did that would suggest the confidence is seeping in into this team, and that they that they can reasonably look at the rest of the season. Although they have to na- navigate a fairly tricky, tricky patch coming up. But if they can do that, there is there is reason to believe that Potch and the guys are going to be okay. However, and this is the however, like I said, the goals they scored weren't exactly from great pieces of of incisive attacking play. Um, I think their goalkeeper, how do you spend a billion dollars and still have this guy in goal? How do you do it? Uh, kicks the ball. I know there was a couple of guys, probably culpable Gallagher um, being one of them, but I mean, it's still, it's still Sanchez's fault for me. Kicks it straight to Rice. It's a brilliant finish by Rice, but it's an error by the goalkeeper. And then your fullback, Malagusto, who you think is doing everything white has tracked Trossard, checks his shoulder twice to see where Trossard is and still loses him within a yard and a half of the goal. That that kind of stuff is the stuff that uh, Pochettino will be so disappointed with. But I'd be lying if I said I came out of it and thought, well, Chelsea just look, you know, they look the same as they have. No, they look better and they look like they could be getting better and say all that. This is still... This is still pretty poor return for a billion dollars. It really is for an outlay of a billion dollars. But if we're just going to talk about about specifically where they're going, I think they're trending. I think they're trending upwards with a few caveats. Yeah, that's probably all fair. I, I mean, look, what you say is right. If this is the return on investment on a billion dollars, then yes, it is a disappointment. However, I also think we're far enough along here in this whole Chelsea experiment to understand that we were. I guess you'd have to say that perhaps we were wrong 
in expecting that billion dollars to bring back investment right away. They threw together a team with a lot of random pieces. They've changed the manager. It's the youngest team in the Premier League. I think we now understand that this is going to be a longer project than whatever maybe old, we initially you know, thought. Like, and sorry, sorry, to, I don't mean to cut across Andrew, and I don't. But these are all things that that they did. It didn't just happen to them. You know, the youngest team, the players that's been thrown together. They did that. Right. And in the process, spent a billion dollars. Like right. it's so that's their fault, and that's a problem within their recruitment and within I mean allowing Todd Bowley the keys to this project from early on is clearly giving Murcio Pochettino a harder job to do now that that I'd agree with well yeah I, I don't disagree with any of that I'm just saying we now know that what that all means is that this is going to just take longer like if, yeah. if we thought that oh a billion means title content right away they they might have thought that but we were wrong they were wrong like this is just like I've accepted the fact that like it's just not it, we already know it's not going to happen for them right away. That's all in the past. And I'm wondering if maybe now we're starting to see signs that it's it's coming around a little bit. And I think playing well for lengthy stretches against Arsenal is potentially a sign of that. Now, one of I the key so. one of the key figures in this, kind of one of the faces of the Chelsea spend is Mikelo Mudrick, who had a really interesting game. Um because he he almost personifies Chelsea in that he has some moments where you think he's also figuring it out, but then maybe not. He's confusing. His goal was bizarre. Um, I am of the absolute belief that it was an accident. However, maybe his own pride or whatever won't let him fully admit that. So he was asked about it afterwards, if he meant to score. So he was asked about it and he said, uh, if it was a, a cross or a shot, he said it was something in the middle between a cross and a shot. Before the Shut game, our, go- our goalkeeper coach told me to look at their keeper because sometimes he's trying to read things and he can just lose the goal so I can chip him. So it was something I knew and I kept in my head. I went for something between the cross and the shot and it was a good decision. Well, our dear friend uh, who's been on the podcast, who we defer to in all goalkeeping matters, David Priest, has given Mudrick his out here. He said, I might be giving Mudrick too much credit, but wouldn't be a stretch to think any pregame analysis might include taking advantage of Rea's aggressive positioning. He follows up. That said, a fluke like that would catch a lot of goalkeepers out. <laughs> now, <clears throat> Rea starts a yard beyond his, his front post and two yards to the left. Like it's it. If, if you're going to get beaten on a cross for, that's slightly overhit or that's been shanked ever so slightly, that kind of positioning from Rea is exactly what you need to do for that to happen. Um, but but I I don't know. Like I mean, it's 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 silly. It doesn't really matter. But I mean, I've I don't think that of, was I don't think that was on purpose. No, and there's been so many. There's been the screenshot uh, brigade, in, including I think the Premier League and maybe Chelsea's account have been out showing an angle at which it looks as absolutely that. Oh yeah, he saw him. He's done him. No, he hasn't. I really don't think he has. I know, and but that doesn't take away from the fact it's an awesome goal. Like, it's oh yeah, visu- it's visually fantastic. But he has not. It's not on purpose, and and that, that's not that doesn't discredit Mudrick. It just, I mean, I guess it's so spectacular. 
and it's in such a big game and he's a guy who's been absolutely wasted of confidence and uh, like has been symptomatic of everything that's been wrong which with, with with this Chelsea spend so far he's looking for to get as much out of this as he possibly can yeah fair enough fair the, uh, enough. the the Pochettino tough love campaign continues who was it that we talked about it with him a couple of weeks ago was it Raheem Sterling where he kind of had a, a bit of yeah. that approach where he's like, well, he did his job. Like it was something, it was like, not full exact, Roy Keane. Yeah. it was something to that effect. A uh, little bit of that again, with regards to Mudrick, who hasn't, has not been in the goals as they say for Chelsea at all. So you would think on a day where he finally got one, um, it would be celebrated in some way, even if it was a fluke, but I'm reading now um, from the mirror, JJ, they write, Mudrick made uh, made way for Nicholas Jackson in the 66th minute of Chelsea's clash with Arsenal. Pochettino was asked whether Mudrick was hooked because he ran out of gas, to which the manager replied, no. I think he played well, but he also needs to improve. For me, he's still not at his best. I think we needed to make the change to add a little bit more pressure with Jackson in front. In that situation, we created a few chances, and the game was closer to 3-0 than 2-1. Huh, he could have okay. given... Mudrick the out he basically was asked was it because he ran out of gas he could say yeah a little bit of that. but no he gave a flat out no I mean he's basically saying because he's no it was it was his skill set and talent <laughs> it's almost like Potch is afraid that down the line when Chelsea do lose again he needs to be able to go to the well and not have had a long series of we're back we're doing great look at these guys blah 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 oh no you're saying this is kind of like the Mourinho Conte approach where they start giving press conferences that are almost job interviews for their next job. No, no, I can't no, let I mean you all is... think that this failure was my fault. No, no, no. He doesn't want Chelsea to go ahead, get ahead of themselves because he 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 sees some some slippages down the line, and so he wants to constantly be able to refer to the fact. Well, as I've said before, we're building. There will be mistakes along the way. I think that's what he wants. He doesn't want to jump the gun on Chelsea being quote unquote back. That's what I think. I see. Uh, now to the Arsenal side, and there's a couple things to get to, but I want to start with the one that you were just talking about, and that's David Raya, because he seems to be really coming under some real criticism after this one. There's been, you know, in some of the matches leading up to this, there's been little, little inklings of that here and there. We've talked about it a little bit with some of this distribution that's been spotty at times, which is really the, the one of the primary reasons why he was brought in. Uh, but this game, for a lot of people, seemed to be the dam bursting in terms of the way they feel about him upending Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, Jamie Redknapp said that Arteta complicated a situation that he didn't need to in replacing Ramsdale. That's interesting to me. I think they, I think Arsenal kind of complicated that situation by just signing Raya in the first place. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Ramsdale wasn't available the weekend but it would be a fair shout to say well Mikel if you're honest if you were serious earlier in the season which we didn't think you were but if you were serious earlier about substituting goalkeepers just as you would outfield players well that would have been your opportunity to put your money where your mouth is uh, Ramsdale wasn't there it didn't happen um, and, it, and it never will and it way. never will I still think he believes Raya is a better goalkeeper than Ramsdale and he may well be better, but he is not that much of a significant upgrade that it's like, oh, well, it's it's obvious. How could they continue with Ramsdale and goal? It's not like that. They're much closer. Um, and, and it makes you wonder, was it 
was it necessary at all to put in this keeper who's slightly better? One thing about Rea that I notice, when that ball goes into him at his feet, God, Andrew, it takes him forever. It seems as if he's he's in slow motion. Every player that's pressing him seems like they have a chance of blocking it. And then the other thing. So real quick, can I yeah. can I ask you a question about that? Sure. So I, I feel that way too. Now, there are a bunch of keepers that do that. Vicario oftentimes would do that for Spurs. And I listened to, it might have been the View from the Lane podcast. I'm trying to remember. But they were talking about that with Vicario, and it might apply to Raya too. And they were basically saying that's by design. He is supposed to, they trust these guys, some of these keepers that are good with their feet, they are trusted to suck in the defense to create right. so, more space upfield. And I, I think, so, so I don't know if, you could be right, but I don't know that I will jump to the conclusion there that Raya is doing that out of some sort of uncertainty with what he wants to do with the ball. It might be by design to create space. Uh, I just don't think he's aware sometimes of how fast these players are coming at him. And and, and your but point is right. But he has a right. proven track record, though. Like he was all of his metrics last year with Brentford clearly state that he's the best in the league at this thing. I I, I agree with you, but right now I feel as if I feel as if he's he's going to get blocked. But that's not actually where the issues were. I mean, it was the short passing. You know the 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 pass. So that longer passing, you're right. You want that you want to draw the press, so then you clip it over them into the space, and then you're on the front foot. You're right about that. But there's no excuse for the one that he passed straight to Cole Palmer, well, which was supposed to be one where you're splitting the defender or you're splitting the two guys who are pressing to get it into midfield, and then the guy receives sharp turn and then builds the play from there. What was the excuse there? It was just bad, just bad footwork, bad passing. Um, I do think, though, he made one tidy save. He made two tidy saves from, ja oh, I think it was Jackson, down to his right, um, where he covers the ball. Like, that's late on where Chelsea were trying to, it was 2-2 and Chelsea were trying to claw the game back and get a winner. And then when Nicholas Jackson goes to go around him and he snatches the ball very cleanly from under his feet and then gets ready to to, to launch a, an Arsenal attack. There's a, a lot of the people who want him out of the team. I heard, you know, they're proper football men. They're guys who, your first job is to be a shot stopper. You know, you're Chris Sutton's of this world. Um, so I, I heard... I, I wouldn't drop him. I wouldn't drop him yet. Yeah, and and I have a, I would I would also send a bit of a message to those people that like look maybe some of his mistakes are more high profile. Maybe there's more pressure on Riot to always be great because of what they spent. When a lot of Arsenal fans thought that that was money not well spent because they were fine with Ramsdale as their keeper. Um, however, even with some of these mistakes, like. The statistics still point to Ramsdale not being the keeper that Raya is. Um, I was looking at, so it, it's going to sound complicated, but if you look at Ramsdale's uh, post shot XG minus goals conceded, that's like, the, that's, that's the that, metric you want. It's a lot of it's a lot of words, but it, I find it to be a pretty good metric in measuring a keeper's overall effectiveness. Ramsdale's this year season was minus one point eight, while Raya, which is by the way twenty third of keepers in the Premier League. Well, Raya's is plus 0 0.8, which while not amazing is still at least top 10. It's 10th. Mm. So like maybe people set a bar for Raya that they expect him to be at, which is understandable because he cost a lot of money 
And that money could have been used elsewhere for Arsenal because a lot of people like Ramsdale. But if you just look at the cold numbers, like if I if I remove names and I just put some of these statistics in front of you and you didn't know who was who, you would like this the statistics still point in the direction that Raya is probably the better option. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm I would doubt very much that um that Arteta is just gonna pull the plug on this guy straight away. I no, not just that that quickly. I think people are being pretty reactionary. Keepers take a little bit of time to settle. I do see things that worry me, but no, not yet. What a strange summer transfer window it, it it's appearing to be for some of the keeper movement between Onana. Now this with Raya. Uh, I mean, look, I, I don't Sanchez, who we were just talking about with Chelsea. He had a horrible moment in this one. I don't know if that's necessarily a reflection on how he's been. I mean, we, you know, when we did our Chelsea in the club, it was stated to us that he was maybe Chelsea's best player through the first five or six games this season. So I don't know, but some strange, uh, strange early returns from some of these expensive keepers. So yeah, far. I mean, Onana's the outstanding one here. He he's one where you're like, I think I might actually drop him. I think I might drop him. Um, we we considered that. Yeah, certainly, but we have no power at all, Trafford Andrew. No, strangely. no, we don't. But um. um Anything but else listen, from this one? I mean, the, the Declan Rice it, goal was sensational, I thought. It was sensational, and it was sensational, and it was un, as unnecessary because, sorry, Arsenal fans, and, and nobody will watch that game. Arsenal were not playing their way back into it. This was one that, this was a momentum shifter. Arsenal looked way better after the Rice goal, and they did not look like, like they had answers before that that happened. So, um, brilliant goal. I, I loved I swore on our our Twitter, on our official account, because wow. I loved, I loved Saka's ball to Trossard so much. I know I gave Malagusto uh, some abuse for losing Trossard, but even still, what a beautiful ball to the back post and what a great finish! Trossard yeah. is consistently gives you something. He is, and and he seems okay. He he said afterwards he's okay with with the bench role coming off, coming on and making an impact and. And doing things like that, I um, outstanding goal. One of my favorite goals so far this season. Mm, wow, high praise, high praise. Uh, so there you go, two two, really fun one between a couple London rivals, Arsenal and Chelsea. Great game. Uh, let's see, we continue now, JJ. Let's go to let's do the Merseyside derby. Let's do that as Liverpool prevail in yet another one, which brings me to my initial question here, which is going to sound so condescending, but I I'm curious for your answer. So of, of all the prominent English derbies out there. Which which ones right now feel the most one-sided to you? Because I do think that this one is in the running. Well, um, I know there's... I haven't checked in on Ipswich, Ipswich Norwich lately. I don't know how that one's going. But like there are there are derbies can't account for. But in terms uh, of... Like I would like, think like Newcastle-Sunderland right now feels like that's not a rivalry in the I'll, moment. Right, but I bet if you looked at, at the stats there, it's definitely not as skewed as this one. Um, I actually think, in terms of uh, the top flight in Europe, this may be the most one-sided derby at the moment. I, wow. Borussia uh, Dortmund-Schalke, I think, might be oh. very one-sided too. But but it's right up there. It's, it's absolutely right up there. I mean, Everton have been absolutely dominated for the past God knows how long. And... Uh, Apart from the two nil, um, during uh, 
during the COVID uh, period when uh, I think it was, was it 2021? Spring of 2021. Not even sure. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, when uh, when Everton won at Anfield, it's been, there's not been much joy. This this is the most one-sided of the really big derbies, I think. Mm. Wow. That's a, it's quite a statement to really pile more pain on Everton fans in this moment. Well, I don't know. I mean, they've been very, uh, very vocal uh, with their, their feeling of injustice oh. in the last uh, few days uh, since this game has happened, Andrew. They're very, very upset. Careful. I mean, well, just it, it. I feel like Liverpool fans have to toe a line if they're going to make fun of another fan base for talking about injustices. No, I mean, yes. And I, I and, We're only and a couple weeks removed from your manager calling for an entire match to be replayed. Right, right, and 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 the equivalence between the two the two incidents is not the same. However, the fact that it happened at all, the fact that Liverpool fans were upset by what happened, means now in the tribal world of football that everyone says, "Well, uh, everyone cry arses about everything now." Like, I didn't. Liverpool have have ceded the right to rip other fan bases for complaining the season. Um that is my that is how I feel. No, I'm sick of all fan bases complaining. Okay. I fair. was I was done with oh Jesus Christ. I was done with the Liverpool complaints earlier on. My view was how VAR has just kind of amplified them. And I slag people off. Don't don't like you can check the tape. Some of the unhinged Liverpool fans I had in my mentions, I called them out on this podcast, right? Yeah. But equally, as much as I don't want to hear from them, I really don't want to hear from Everton fans either. You know, I mean, personally, I don't think every yellow card, every tackle is a yellow card. I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would have sent Ashley Young off for that second yellow. I don't, I'm not sure that I would have. But in the context of it, when he's running away from, uh, when Jota's running away from him and it's in such an advantageous position to create a chance or make something happen and he does foul him, the referee's natural inclination is going to be yellow. They are getting all hot and bothered. Uh, also, they're they're bigger one than that than the than the Ashley red card is the Kanate. Right, that Kanate. I, I think most off. people were okay with the Ashley young one, but I think the thought was, they well, if that if that's a second yellow, Kanate probably should be two. But the way all fan bases work now is that, um, they would be all right with the Ashley young one. They can see the reasons he got the red card, but it's great to have something to pile on to say that there's that there's a conspiracy or that things are rigged or that you've been Craig Pawson has definitely out to get you. It's it's better to have more than one incident. So the young incident takes on more weight when lumped in with the Kanate one. Um, let, let me ask a question real, here. What, what, what is, so what, so what would be the conspiracy here? Like, let's pretend that there is a conspiracy. What, what well, would be the, what would it be in this situation? The low level at the low level, it would be that, uh, oh, well, the big sides always get things their way. I, I mean, Everton fans not considering themselves a big side, but they, they'll concede that ground just to make their point here, I'm sure. That, oh, well, you won't get that at Anfield, just like, you know, you won't get that at Old Trafford, et cetera, et cetera. And then, then on the other end, it's that Liverpool, uh, their owners, the way they, exactly from the Tottenham game, the way they made their statements, I saw one tweet that they used their client journalists to put pressure on referees going into games 
so that they will get these decisions. I mean, Klopp that, does that right before our very eyes in almost all of his press conferences. Fergie's done it all the time. Yeah. To say it actually makes a difference. I mean, Everton fans have short memories. Like, they really do. Like, stuff goes against Liverpool at Anfield too in a derby game. I remember a penalty. Uh, was it 20, 20, well, 2017, 2018? Famous one where... um. Was I think it was Calvert Loon or someone was racing away. Um, I think it was Lovren. Just puts a gentle hand on his back, and the next thing that's a penalty. Everton equalized, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Look, we can all do this. We can all play this game all the time. What I hate about Everton fans as well as Liverpool fans and all of you in football right now is because of our and not just because of our social media and, and your screenshots and your smart arse tweets. I'm sick of you. Shut the f*** up about referees. You're boring. Football was always like this. And we just got on with it. And we said, damn, we cursed the referee for a few minutes. We had a few pints and we went on to next week. We didn't hold on to these, these little grudges, carrying them around, festering like big sores on your back. You're, you're all embarrassing. Discuss the decision. Leave it there. Get on with your lives. Boring. I believe in every one of these conspiracy theories. I think they have a lot of validity to them. Oh, um, JJ, with regards to Everton, so I don't know. You know, in the moment, they won't feel like this, but I actually was, I was actually pretty impressed by them, and I'm wondering where. Honestly, if Michael Keane doesn't stick his hand out, forget the ten men. If Michael Keane, and I know he was brought on as a consequence of sendings off, etc. If Michael Keane doesn't put his his arm out like that. Like, I could see Everton stifling Liverpool and hanging on. Again, just as I said about Arsenal, it's not like Liverpool were ripping them apart. No, no, they weren't. Um, I, and I thought Everton were pretty impressive. I mean, defensively, I was, you know, yeah, they gave up two goals in the end, a penalty and then a, a late kind of consolation one for Salah. Um, but, like, I thought they defended really well. A lot of throwing their bodies at balls, putting their bodies on the line time. And again, lots of block shots. What a great effort. I thought from James Tarkovsky in this one, um, I was actually kind of, I was, I thought that they really fought pretty hard against an opponent that is superior to them right now. There's no way around it. So I'm wondering where a game like this could register on the moral victory meter. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I, like you said, I think the fact they contained Liverpool up until the keen handball, um, Plus the whining and grievance porn surrounding the sending off and the non-sending off. Put those together. And in the mind of an Everton supporter, they'll already be cut, be putting fairly positive spin on it. And in many ways, they should do that. I'm going for a 7.5 okay. on the moral victory scale, which is pretty high considering they lost 2-0 in the end. So, um, yeah, moral victory scale, 7.5. Uh, now, if they can just, as you said to them, commanded them, beat the Lutons of the world. Well, yeah. Yeah, do that first and then come to Anfield and see if you can get a win. Oh, hard enough for them. Oh, All of wow. Uh, who is that? What, have, are people at you on Twitter or are you like, where is ah, this yeah, coming no, from? No, I, I know some people be at me and it's you, it's usually fairly, it's, it's, it's friendly. I, it, like, it, I'm not, I'm not, I don't burn with the, with the same righteous indignation I did as a younger podcaster where I would fire back at them, leave a scorched earth policy. I don't, I don't, I can't do that anymore. It was a bad just, look. To be honest, a terrible look, awful, yeah. And I have many, many bad looks that I need to sort out. And um, no, so I don't like. I, I'm not doing that. But yeah, the it's it's more the odd interaction 
And then the other stuff I see that is, you know, just like really, really um, tribal. Like I, said, I get it. Like boring to me. I mean, yeah. I have one of the tweets here. Like, oh. um, if I can just, yeah, here we go. J- Jim Keown or uh, freelance writer, books available in the link. It's not all Everton. Well, it looks mostly Everton there, Jim. Um, and, you know, Jim's got five and a half thousand followers. Fair enough. He goes, we can take the piss out of Liverpool for their reaction to the Spurs game, but it's effective. They marshal their client journalists, create headlines, put pressure on officials, and the end result is games like today, a referee terrified to officiate properly. Now, I would say something. Uh, he, his, uh, his positioning in Liverpool as masters, the dark hand behind the media is, uh, is kind of amazing. Um, and on more and on far more serious, um, far more serious issues, Liverpool's ability to not be able to control the media has been very blatant. So, I mean, again, it's 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 the it's the paranoia, mm-hmm. it's the paranoia. I I um I can't handle. So well, I, let, I uh, you haven't really said yet, though. I mean, you've danced around it, but did you think Kanate should have been sent off? Um, I, I, I like I, I don't feel it as strongly as Everton fans do, but I definitely think there was a case for him to be sent off. Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, yeah, could have been er- done. Ergo, conspiracy. Um, yeah, exactly. Last bit for me on this: Mo Salah. So he scored twice in this game. Um, Jesus, what a player! So <laughs> what a player! Yes, Andrew. like yeah, and and the reason I say it after this game, which some people might think is is odd, but so Jurgen Klopp spoke afterwards and he said this about Salah. He said, today was not his best game, but you need someone who gets the ball over the line, and he was that man again. He will never stop. That's his nature. JJ, for me, and look, I don't need to sit here and tell people that Mo Salah's a great player. We've all seen it, and he's an absolute legend. But just watching this game and then hearing Klopp say that afterwards about today not being his best game, to me, that's the kind of thing that differentiates, like, the the really like the great the truly great players from like the really good ones the great players are the ones who their manager will say afterwards not his best today and he scored two goals like it's the guys who when they're not at their best still make sure they find a way to leave a positive impact on a game and Salah and a day where Klopp said was not at his best scored twice uh nine Premier League games this season so far for Salah he's registered a goal or assist in eight of them seven goals four assists uh he's just he's just that guy and it continues as long as they remain close in this race which they're very much in now continues to validate their decision to pass on the 150 million and make sure that this guy was a part of this team for at least the rest of this season um he's uh his 104th and 105th home goal for liverpool moved him clear of kenny dagleish and Steven Gerrard into outright sixth place on the list for Liverpool's top goal scorers at home. I mean, Kenny Daglish and Steven Gerrard are in his wake. Hmm. His consistency has been unbelievable. I should give Darwin Nunes credit for the second one because his uh, yeah his, deci- his decision making was excellent to, to roll. Are, are to you him. ready to start being nice to him yet? Christ, Andrew, the uh, the stats uh, for for Nunes are so good. Um, and he clearly is a very effective player. I may just have a stylistic issue with the guy, which you may never be able to get over. Oh, yeah, yeah, I may not. You yeah. know, some guys just do that for it's like art or music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I, so I was, uh, they've got this thing on Spotify called, called your DJ, DJ X here with your mix. And he uses the algorithm and he's an AI generated DJ and he plays your songs. And he's got one thing where he plays songs he thinks you like. And the other day, a Guster song came on. Now, why do you have to do that? But listen, and I listened to the full thing because of you. Out of, out of, it was out of respect for Andrew. Yeah, now you're I about to disrespect me. No, I thought it was fine. It was grand. But there was something about it that was like, nah, it's just not for me, even though I like the song. So there are certain, I mean, the way you look at a, a, a beautiful person or, you know, beauties in the eye of the beholder, people, art, music, all that stuff. And he just falls into that category for me. Like, just not your type. No. And I think I've been, yeah. And I think I've been conditioned as well. There's a smoothness to so many players now. Um, and he does not have that smoothness. Not, you know what? He does sometimes. And then he did on the he, goal. I mean, he led that break, laid a nice pass in right. Salah's path, and Salah right. converted. You can hear the surprise in my eyes, or in my eyes, in my voice. And 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 um, the two goals against Newcastle were brilliant. But then there's, I think it was, what was the game where he had that horrendous miss right in front of goal? Was it Brighton? I don't know if it was Brighton. I don't remember. It may have been in Europe. Whatever. Ball straight across to him, Andrew, and it's like, how's he missed that? So he is, he's, yeah. I wonder if at some point on a far lesser scale, but you always tell me about this chorus of Liverpool fans that are frustrated by Salah, that that yeah. for whatever reason have a problem with him, which I'll never understand. These people, all of them are committed. my friends. They're, they're not. There's something wrong with them. They need help. They don't understand. Well, well, that's name and but shame, Colin McGee. What what's what's his problem? Is he watching other games? Like, does he understand what's going on in the rest of the league? That like he, no one has this guy. He, I swear to God, man, he is so consistent on this. And I'm like, dude, look at the goals, look at the record. And he goes, I know, I know, I just can't. <laughs> so I want. That's what I'm saying. Is I wonder if on a lesser degree, eventually the whole world will come around on what Nunez is contributing to Liverpool, and you just you'll be that you'll be Colum McGee, and you'll never be able to get to that place. <laughs> We'll see. Remains to be seen. Yeah. It reminds me, Colin McGee wasn't it, the song Homer sang uh, when uh, when I was twenty one. I drank some very good beer that I stole with a fake ID. My name was Brian McGee. <laughs> anyway. um, so there you go. Liverpool, uh, another Merseyside derby, um, controversially goes their way in a match that may or may not be replayed at a later date. Um, Let's see, Manchester City and Brighton, um, on paper, a really fun one, you would think. City, we know what they are. Brighton, fun to watch. Um, Not sure if I, uh, having watched it, don't know if I felt that it was what I was hoping it would be, JJ. Well, I'm going to lean on you then. I didn't watch it, but I read about it afterwards. And from what I gleaned, the reading about it was better than the watching. Okay. Um, Yeah. Because I read Sam Lee's report in the Athletic about uh, about a lot of things, but also about uh, Doku versus Grealish, which is now this debate that seems to have reared its head. So that is interesting because yes. I think you know. Look, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> obviously, I'm going to feel a certain type of way on this. In in our season preview podcast, Grealish was my prediction for player of the season. So yeah, 
I, I would not have expected we would be, you know, in the ninth match of the season. And Jack Grealish is, is a bit part right now. He can't get off the bench because of a guy who they just bought. I never, never would have seen this coming um, for a couple reasons. One, you know, Grealish last season, like we always talk about with Pep and, and wingers, maybe especially for him, like it just takes them a little bit longer and it clicked for Grealish last year. He was, I mean, Holland was the most important player on that team, but Grealish was probably the second. He was a huge integral piece of, of what Manchester City achieved last year. Um, so once that clicks, you think, okay, well, he's set now. He's undroppable. He has to play. But I don't know if it, you know, he, he suffered, what did they say, a dead leg that caused him to miss a couple games this season. And Doku got a chance and he hasn't done anything to relinquish it, to give that place up. And Grealish can't get it back. And look, I don't know if the fact that Grealish played 50 games last season, like if that if there's some wear and tear that maybe he's he's not training quite well enough. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, but right now, if Pep is laying out his preferred 11, Grealish ain't in it. And I think Pep has tried to play both sides here, saying, well, it's it's both of them playing. Like, you know, eventually Grealish came on uh, for Doku and like, you know, Pep talks about how they offer different things. Uh, Grealish doesn't have that kind of speed, but he brings the assists and control. Um, but again, the fact remains, when Pep is putting out his 11s right now, Doku is it. And Grealish, is to get that place back, It's gonna. It's it can only happen either through an injury or I guess Doku is going to have to hit some rough patch of form. But if those things don't happen, then Grealish is going to be relegated to a substitute role, which I never in a million years coming into the season would have thought could be possible. This is some good writing from Sam. Okay. This paragraph, because he's doing a breakdown, sorry, a comparison of what Doku brings and what Grealish brings. So this is Sam after Doku wrote his first half havoc and then waned. Sorry. After Doku, Doku wrought his first half havoc and then waned, Grealish was brought on at a time when City needed to stamp their authority on the match again. To maybe not attack as directly as before, but to run the ball down the line, turn inside and give it to the nearest midfielder. Now that's essentially what Grealish does in those scenarios. But what a dream, like wreaking havoc versus functional kind of cog in the machine and 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 that is the difference and and you're right it's it's hard to it's hard to wrench move doku out, out of the team now we know pep is fairly enigmatic and when he when you think he's going to zig he zags we've seen in the past that he's taken likings to players and then dislikes to others there was times when gundigan wasn't even a guaranteed starter that feels like a long time ago now but there were those times yeah mares was in and out bernardo silva has gone through it bernardo silva too yeah so maybe we need to let this one play out a little bit but i would fear for Grealish, and and i look at other england players as well with us only a few months out from really starting to think about the european championships next summer um i I'd be concerned for him. In terms of making the team? Well, Grealish's ambition is to start for England. And that looks that looked unlikely uh, under Gareth Southgate for, for a long, long time. And now there are 
England have a plethora of attacking options and some of them are starting and Grealish can't not be starting for City. Southgate does not need an excuse to keep him out of the site. So Grealish, yeah, I guess what, you're what, right. Although not starting for City hasn't prevented Calvin Phillips from playing for England. Uh, rem- remarkably, yes, that is true. But that is central midfield where they are less bountiful options. In fact, there's only one out-and-out clear, absolute bona fide, amazing option in there for them at the moment, in my opinion. And that's uh, Sir Jude of Bellinghamshire. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm talking a lot about a game I didn't watch. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, Erling Holland scored a really nice goal on this one. Uh, don't care. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I find, I find, I know what Holland is doing is amazing. I know he is a very good striker. Um, but he was far more compelling when he was at a team like like Dortmund to me. Do you know what I mean? Like when he's at City, it's like uh, he he's just. I expect him to do these things, and um, and he just leaves me a bit cold, Andrew. I'm sorry. That's too bad that you can't appreciate what you're seeing. I can't. No, I can't. Yeah. I struggle with him now. I did like I did like that goal against Sheffield United, where the aforementioned Grealish stood one up to him at the far post, and he powered the header home over Basham. That was a good goal. I liked that. I did, and I do. I do recognize his power, his strength, his his skill, uh, you know, all that. He doesn't move me like he moves everybody else. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't have much, very much else on this game. I, I was hoping to see maybe a little bit more from Brighton. They did get, you know, they they got it close. Um, Poor James Milner. Well, he had a tough assignment, and he got yanked. Um, Can't do that to a man who's nearly fifty-two. Well, yeah, but you have to though. But but you have to. Because yeah. he's nearly fifty-two, like it's it, it's a tough position that he was put in. I mean, Brighton were dealing with with some injuries. Their back line looked a little bit different than what they probably would have wanted it to be. Matoma played well, um, but yeah, the the opportunities in attack weren't quite there for Brighton in some of the ways that maybe I kind of hoped that it, they would be. But City does that to a lot of teams. And look, it's not like Brighton got blown away; it was still tight. Um, but one other interesting thing. Uh, that came out of this one for me, JJ, was uh, boy, tough break for for a kanji. So in a game with four minutes of stoppage time, yeah, um, they were at like ninety four fifty or something like like they were beyond the the four minutes, and then he sees red, uh, a second yellow. So and and so now he's gonna miss the Manchester United match. That uh, that's, that's a that's a really tough time to get Nathan Ake coming yellow. on. Nathan Ake coming on because uh, they made they made a sub right to get him. Like just he just looks like the happiest man in the world. Yeah, everything's um, coming up Ake. Yep. Uh, let's see. Anything else from the weekend or from this slate of games that you want to mention? I just had uh, obviously Tottenham played earlier today on Monday. They beat Fulham two yeah. nil. And with that, JJ, I want to mention that Ange Postacoglu has now set the new record for the most points earned by a manager in their first nine Premier League matches. No one has ever registered 23 points from their first nine Premier League matches in this league. Now, the previous record holders, um, you want to guess? I don't know if this is this is a tough one. Um, Gus Hitting. There, that's one. Wow. Good job. In uh, 08-09 with Chelsea. 
He's yeah, tied. Twenty two. He points. was very good off the bat. Um, and um, I'm going to say Phil Brown. Uh, no, Mike Walker with Norwich City. Oh, okay. In 92-93. But Ange Postacoglu now sits above them all. 23 points through nine matches. Hadn't been done before. Um, a couple quick notes on this. James Madison with another great performance. And Ange said something interesting about him afterward. Uh, so he scored a goal in this one. Um, and should have had but, two, but Sonny got in his way. Yeah. Yeah. But again, he was, it was just one of those games where he's just, he's just phenomenal and he's all over the, the action. And it's, it's just, this move for him has just worked out brilliantly for him and for the club. But Anstead afterwards, uh, it was great for matters on the back of him working hard defensively, which is part of the game. We've really impressed on him this year. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was a, a message, not just to the media, but also to Gareth Southgate, who has, for whatever reason, resisted playing Madison. You and I were texting about it earlier today before that quote yeah. was even put out there. Uh, you texted me saying that how brilliant he's been and about how, how what excuse is Gareth going to have to not play him. And I said, well, maybe defensively that's been his issue before. But Ange saying that afterwards is trying to he's letting you know that he does everything now. He's become a complete player. Uh, he looks so good. And um, and that, that, like that was a run-of-the-mill 2-0 game. Andrew's very critical about the team. Second-half performance, though. They let up he, a little he, bit, and, and Fulham had some really quality opportunities that uh, Guglielmo Vicario made some really great saves to keep that what it was. Um, yeah, no, he was so, not He was not happy with it. He said, he, he said that... Uh, he said that that second forty-five gave him food for thought, but you know maybe that's him just trying to maintain standards, etc. I thought I thought Spurs wanted out of canter, although you know Fulham did have those chances. Uh, Jack Collins, who friend of the pod, who from the Fulhamish podcast, who was there at the game, um, he tweeted afterwards: "We just don't look like we're going to score." Um, and you think Fulham have been a side that have been denuded by the Saudi Premier League or wherever it was that Mitrovic ended up going to, but. Um, yeah, I know. I one other note from the weekend, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Matt Stead in on Football Three Six Five, he was talking about uh, the winners and losers from this weekend, and he said in Premier League table of results since Unai Emery's first game as manager last oh, November, Aston yeah. Villa are above Manchester United and Newcastle. That is not hard to believe. Three points behind Liverpool, having played one less game in twenty twenty three, only Manchester City are outperforming them. They have 11 consecutive home wins. The the change with largely the same personnel. Now, I know they made signings recently in the, in the summer, but with largely the same personnel, the change from, from Steven Gerrard to Unai Emery is night and day. Now, people talk, well, teams are the best players. How important are the managers? Yada, yada, yada. I think Unai Emery is an example of how good a manager can be. Interestingly, Steven Gerrard managed Al Itifak, captain by Jordan Henderson, in a game in front of 696 people at the weekend. Oh. 696 people. Wait a minute. Jordan Henderson swapped. Now, this tweet was going around. and uh, 696 the... people? Yep. I don't understand. What do you mean you don't understand? How have 
is there a reason? Like uh, they've made all the, this league has done all this, made all these moves and these signings and high profile, like how the Murr. Stephen Gerrard and Jordan Henderson humiliated in front of tiny Saudi Arabia attendants. Al Itifak suffered their second successive defeat at the hands of Al Rayad on Sunday as Jordan Henderson, Damari Gray, and Jeannie Wijnaldum all featured with Gerrard's site. Uh, less than fewer than seven hundred supporters. What? Ah, that's yep. that is odd. Oh well, you know, it's, so it's a football hotbed. There you go. And 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 uh, Henderson may may not have started, but Henderson denied himself a Merseyside derby to play in that schlock. Now, come on, crazy. Well, I, I don't know that his reason for that JJ was because he wanted to play in that schlock. I think he had other. No, it was he wanted his bank account to be yeah, replenished. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but no, your point on Unai Emery is well taken, and I, they're up to fifth now. Um, they're real, man. They're legit. Yeah. They're. I mean, they're just a point behind Liverpool. Yeah. I and you know some of the players who kind of started the season slowly. You know, Ali Watkins started the season slow for them. He's exploded to life. Scored again over the weekend. Douglas Louise with a couple. Um, yeah, they are. I mean, look, we said at the end of last season, Unai Emery was my manager of the season last year for what he came in and did at Villa. Like the ball had started rolling. Now he had a full off season to work with this group. They made a couple signings, and yeah, you're right. I mean, they are. They're they're not a pushover anymore. Far from they're it. They're gonna they're gonna be in and around the Champions yeah, League spots. They, they sure are. They're right there now. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead. We'll take a break. When we come back on the other side, there's some MLS to talk about. Um, as the playoffs are upon us. Uh, so we'll do that. Uh, a couple other things as well. More caught offside still to come. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, Andrew, it's it's time for me to eat some humble pie. Whoa. Oh, yeah. I shot down your suggestion that Michael Bradley would be. Oh, we were going to get to this. Oh, we were going to get we're going to get to it. Well, then. Oh, I'll yeah. Wait, what do you think? I would just let this slide. No, no. You can do your victory dance over. I was quite bombastic and firm in, in my belief that yeah, Michael whoa, whoa. Bradley would. I'll was, just leave it alone. Leave we'll it get alone. to it. All right, we would. Okay, uh, we have Bradley a whole talk. we have a whole MLS section to come. Come on, JJ, be be responsible and professional. Um, let's see. Before we get to that, I I should remind everybody 
and uh, ladies specifically across the nation, JJ, that this episode oh. and this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. That's right. Introducing Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Yep, 5.0, featuring a new cutting-edge design and next-generation skin-safe blade heads for different shades. It's pretty much a spaceship to take his boys downstairs to the next level. Good Lord. <laughs> Have him join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code caught offside. High tech for low places, Manscaped. Um, I'm going to be busting mine out at the weekend. I cannot wait. Cannot that, wait well, to get, get into the garden of. I was trying to give my area a name. Yeah. But, uh, what would you call it? I don't know. Don't you want me to name? No, you, you can order. You can handle that. You yeah. can handle that. We we've garden talked of, JJ, garden of garden of mysterious delights. We, we've talked before on this podcast uh, about Manscaped and how how dangerous this process can be for people when they're not doing it right. But with the lawnmower 5.0, that is no longer the way that it needs to be done. You get a close shave below the belt. That's why we trust Manscaped for all the sensitive areas. Manscaped's fifth generation trimmer features two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for if you want to just, I don't know what your plans are, JJ, but if you want to just take a little off the top, you can do that with the standard or the new foil blade for you to get that, it's weird when I make it so personal. Like I'm telling you, I'm yeah. speaking to you directly. If you want How to that shave fully, my junk, that fully, if you want your that full smooth finish, JJ, um, then go with the foil blade. And oh. and please report back to us next week which blade you chose to use. It's waterproof as well. So if if you want to do this in the shower, you can do it. Waterproof technology. Um, so it's I'm excited for you and the experience that you're going to have. As uh, as you really lay into yourself, so get twenty percent off. You want me to make a video? Nah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, sure. Twenty, yeah, yeah. Twenty percent off and free shipping. I'm one. good. I said, God in heaven. Twenty percent off and free shipping with code caught offside at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off free shipping with code man uh, code caught offside at manscaped.com. Um, JJ, put this line in here. Uh, his balls have been through enough. It's time to go ultra. With Manscaped. Well, well, he's taking it to the next level. Yeah, like he's a like he's a veteran of some conflict. Seen enough. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, quickly on MLS, and then a couple things to close out with. But um, the postseason. I mean, really, we're here now. It's the time of year that, that we've been waiting for, and it, it is upon us. Decision Day is now in the rearview mirror. A couple takeaways from Decision Day. One, uh, I'll be brief through these. But gut-wrenching for Montreal uh, and thrilling for the the Red Bulls as New York, they convert a last-minute penalty. We're going to see them on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yep. Um, I'm going with uh, John Tolkien. I'm assuming John Tolkien's father will be there, and I'll be be with him watching his his boy in the playoffs. Wow. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Very cool. Yeah, but there's a clip that kind of went viral on Twitter of Montreal uh, watching the Red Bull penalty on the sideline after that their game had gone official and the Red Bulls were still playing. And it was, it's hard to watch. I mean, just to watch your, watch a guy watching his season crumble right before his eyes. It's just, it's kind of sad. Um, so yeah, New York Red Bulls, congrats to them. They're into the, uh, the play in, um, 
like you said, this Wednesday. Also, I had spoken a lot about FC Dallas and if that Colorado Rapids loss will have come back to bite them. Well, it didn't. They smashed the Galaxy, who looked like they're on the beach already, 4-1. So the Colorado loss can now forever be forgotten. FC Dallas go through. And now, JJ, yes. Yes, Michael Bradley did, in fact, play his final game. He was subbed off in the 80th minute. Great scenes before the match. Uh, He was honored with his kids. But I got to say, watching Bradley with his kids is jarring because Michael Bradley to me has not aged in like 15 years. Mm. And like, he still looks exactly the same. And I think it's because he went bald so young because like when you're younger like this and you know, wrinkles haven't had a chance to really set in yet as a way of, of aging you. The main way you can tell somebody's aging sometimes is by their hair, how it changes. Yeah. So if you go bald at like 23, and and now we've lost the ability to see your hair change. You don't age. He hasn't aged right. in 15 years. So he's got like full grown kids. I'm like, what's he, who are they? What are those? His friends? It's, it, but it was nice. He, it, he brought them out on the who field. Who are they? Was... His friends. <laughs> um, it was really a nice ceremony. And look, you know what, what I don't want to speak for you, although I think you, you and I are simpatico in this, but, um, but I know we think very highly of Michael Bradley on this podcast. Oh, yeah. I think he's had a fine American career. Absolutely. He has. He has. That's a that's objective. That's an object. That's not subjective. That's an objective statement. I firmly believe that. Um, so congrats to him. It was uh, it was a really nice ceremony um, afterwards. So I was I was perusing the web earlier today, JJ. As is your won't. Yeah. Um, and. and I need to know what why did you feel the need to tell me that I was everyone in the world knew that Michael Bradley was going into coaching that that was just his destiny and here you are on our last podcast saying no won't happen he's been through too much he's seen and heard too much I, I don't even yeah. know what that means when 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 seeing and hearing too much has ever been a reason for a guy not to go into coaching but today I'm on the internet and I come across this story um from Tom Bogert who tweeted uh, Michael Bradley, I mean, this is less than two days later that, that his career ended. Michael Bradley's next step is official. <laughs> Michael has joined Staubach as an assistant coach to his father, Bob Bradley. We look forward to getting to know Bob's son better, who will join his father and contribute to the coaching team throughout the season, the club said. JJ, you sat here and you told everyone just a few yep. days ago, no, he's not going to go into coaching. It took less than 48 hours for his career to end and his coaching career to begin. You owe me and all of our listeners an apology. I don't owe you. <laughs> I don't owe you anything. Um, I'll just tell you folks, when you're in this business, this old content providing business, sometimes you don't know stuff. And I didn't know that he had his coaching badges until one of our listeners told us this. He had all his coaching badges done, his UEFA, his pro license, apparently. Now, if you're going to do your pro license, you're going to go through the hoops and and, and the reels and the jigs to get that, then it kind of means you're going to give it a stab. Now, what I really, what really shocked me wasn't that me being wrong about a hunch about something that I just made up and decided upon in my mind when I was asked a question by you on the spot. Poor choice and irresponsible, but continue. Very irresponsible. What surprised me is how quickly the guy isn't giving himself a chance to think. He's straight into a new job, that a job he's never done before, under the tutelage of his father in a different country. 
he hasn't he hasn't hung up his boots yet. The grass is not dry on the underside of his boots that he is hanging up, and he's a way off doing this. I wish him the very best of luck. I think if I'd accrued the the fairly lavish funding that's been heaped upon him since Toronto or let, let's put it this way, Toronto paying nicely. They pay very nicely. Um, I would be sitting back uh to quote the bad guy in <laughs> in Die Hard One, sitting on a beach earning twenty percent. That's what I would be doing. I would be chilling out. But, but he, he but a- he was never gonna do that because this was the most predictable career move in the history of coaching. He's, he was he's that. already been a coach on the field for a decade. Allow me to make another bold statement. Oh, I have Christ. a feeling that he'll be on our TV screens as a pundit um, in a few years' time. I don't think so. I think I think this is it now. I think when it's all said and done, I think he might actually be more well known as a coach than he was as a player. I think this. I think that's wow. his. Destiny. I mean, that's a huge thing to say. All right. That that predicts lots of success then. And he may be very polarizing in that as well. He may not always be viewed as a good coach, but I think that he'll be more he he's 36 years old. I mean, this could be the next 35 years of his career. Yeah, you're right. He is young. God. So like he's starting immediately. And it, it's yeah. in his genes. I mean, JJ, we talked what was it when Klinsman was was manager of the US? What was it? Like players were asking Bradley what they should be doing because Klinsman what- like yeah, that was more a breakdown on old Lindsay's part. I'll never but, forget Bradley going to the sideline against Columbus. They're already one nil down on the World Cup qualifier to Mexico, and you could clearly mouth, mouth, Bradley see Bra- Bradley mouthing, "Sorry, what are we doing?" <laughs> yeah, so uh, good luck to him. Congrats on a on a wonderful career. Um, I wasn't going to go too deeply into this now, but while we're talking about careers, Nico Ladero's is not over yet as Seattle are obviously in the playoffs and could be primed for a, a lengthy run, but he has announced that this will be his last season. Um, and my God, what an unbelievable career. One of the all-time great MLS players, one of the greatest signings that this league has ever known, uh, a huge fixture of a great era um, for the he Sounders. Was always, he was always so good to watch. Yeah. You guaranteed he was going to give you something. Um, great footballer. Yeah, uh, but we'll have more of that for another day because Seattle's postseason hopes are very much alive. Um, kind of putting the regular season behind us. I saw uh, Joe Pompliano does a lot of sports business stuff on Twitter. Uh, he posted this on Twitter. He said, Lionel Messi stole the show, but MLS had an excellent year overall. 22,111 average attendance, 10.9 million total fan attendance, seven games with 60,000 plus fans. Say what you want about the quality of play, but all those are attendance records and MLS is clearly all- clearly on its way up. Um, that is all very encouraging. An average attendance number of over 22,000, that is really impressive. I mean, that's a really impressive number. Now, to all that, I would say, great, this is all very good, but we kind of already knew this. We kind of already knew that MLS was a good attendance sport. It was a very well-attended sport. We've known that for a while. They just happened to set new benchmarks this year, which is good. The, the hurdle that this league has to cross is the TV side. Now. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen Apple release figures, and they so, won't, and they may not. Um, so it's hard to know exactly how successful this first season was from a TV perspective on Apple. Um, but uh, at least from the attendance numbers of this season, the growth of the league continues to be in in the right direction, and that's that's a positive thing. Um, this this, uh, I mean, this playoff system is not helping them. Um, Pablo well, Pablo Mora 
tweeted this. I obviously love watching MLS, but it is undeniable that the constant expansion of the playoffs has made things less compelling. None of the teams scraping for these eight, nine spots even deserve to make the playoffs at all. Can't say I'm terribly excited right now. So with that, we'll use that as a transition into the postseason. And we should start by reminding everybody what the new format is, because this is the first year of it. So I'll go through it real quick, but it's I think it's important for people to know as it starts it is, up. It is. So playing games on Wednesday and Thursday this week between the eight and nine seeds, uh, that'll determine, of course, who then goes through to play the number one seed. It's good to know also, JJ, no extra time. If it's tied, straight to penalties. Okay. All right. So that's that's the play-in games this week. Then we get into the real meat of the postseason, one verse eight, two verse seven, three, six, four, five, all that uh in both conferences. The first round this year because we all know that they wanted to increase the number of matches played in the playoffs. That was a big part of the new TV deal. And so they have achieved that with the first round, which will be a best of three. Oh, oh not, Jesus. not aggregate, a straight oh, up best doing? of three. No, oh, you t- there will be no ties, oh. no ties, best of three, no extra time straight to penalties home away home is the format higher seed with the two uh two home games should they should they need them if it goes to the full three so that's the first round then once you get out of the first round into the second round we're back to single elimination there would be extra time in the event of a tie after that into the conference finals also single elimination there would be extra time in the event of a tie two 15 minute uh extra time periods into penalties and then of course the final extra time all the, all the normal stuff. So it's really just the play-in games are are unusual and the first round being a best of 3 non-aggregate format. That's that's the unusual stuff. I mean, look, there are reasons for it. We've talked about it before. They wanted they needed more playoff games. It wasn't about want. They I think they really needed it for these TV deals to to happen. Um what they could tell you is that first round you know, if they were doing single elimination all the way through, which everyone loved, that could create a format where in a one-off, anything can happen. And so if, you, if you're if you bringing more teams to the postseason, now you've got a chance where the eight seed is upsetting the one seed if it's a single elimination one-off. Best of three gives you a better chance of, of the better team going through, which I think is probably what they want. So, you know, hopefully it, it, it... Look, you want thrilling, exciting things to happen. Upsets are fun, but I think they also want a format that delivered the better teams going through and giving us the, the best matchups near the end. And maybe the best of three will achieve that. I guess we'll find out. Um, in terms of some of the matchups themselves, uh, for me, if I was going to say which one I'm most excited for, I think the three, six matchup in the East between Columbus and Atlanta United FC is the one most interesting to me. Um, you know, the crew they're, they're really good and they're fun to watch, but boy, do they play open. And they allow games to be open. They struggle with the lead. Gave up an awful... I think I was reading Matt Doyle's column on them. Uh, They gave up 22 points from winning positions this year. Second worst in the league. And we all know how dangerous Atlanta are in attack. These teams met a few weeks ago. It was a thrilling draw. um, But it was open. it It was exciting. I think there's a lot of potential for this to be a really, really fun uh, set of games between these two. I'm kind of looking at Seattle uh, after their win against St. Louis because, you know, they beat the West top team 2-0. Is that foreshadowing a deep postseason run? Are they going to do what they've done in the past and just be deadly in the postseason? Uh, Also, I was reading Matt Doyle too. FC Cincinnati were fascinating to me. 
obviously supporters shield champions um they'll play all their games in the postseason at home bar one that's well yeah in the of course because they have they were supporter shield winners right what i i just i never thought of it that way uh, until i saw it written down what that's a golden opportunity for them to win the what they would consider or pat noonan would consider the secondary competition in uh, major league soccer yeah uh but yeah that's so so that kind of that stood out for me and i'm also just live football on wednesday i am so looking forward to going to uh out to harrison new jersey for this game That'll be cool. I'm I'm envious of you. That that does sound fun. I should say, no. by the way, I forgot to mention for the in the Columbus Atlanta United matchup, uh, Tiago Almeida red carded on decision day, so he'll miss the first matchup of this one. They didn't need that. No, definitely they didn't not. need that. So uh, should be a lot of fun. We'll cover it. JJ, of course, like he said, he'll be out there. Wait, you're out there on Wednesday. Yep. Oh, this is. Don't even with the, the hours you are making me keep because of the Phillies run. Don't don't no, even. No, but well, we'll talk about it all afterwards. We'll record Thursday morning real early. That's there's, what's happening, my bud. We got a big. There's a lot of problems going on right now. You, pro, this is really. I, listen, don't do on-air production meetings with me. All right, we got a lot of problems to discuss. Um, let's see, JJ. Before we get out uh, on this podcast, we we certainly wanted to mention that. Like I said at the start of the show, an absolute legend of the game, one of the all-time greats, uh, Sir Bobby Charlton, uh, a, one of the greatest Manchester United and England players of all time, uh, passed away over the weekend at the age of 86. Um, he was, of course, a multi-time champion with Manchester United, maybe the best player on England's World Cup winning side in 1966. A survivor, no, about it. a survivor of the Munich air disaster as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, just like I said, one of uh, one of the greatest players to ever do it. He was part of that triumvirate at United Charlton Best in Law that were just like the the icons of that Manchester United um, team of the 60s. And that was rebuilt after after 58. Um, unbelievable player, Andrew. Truly unbelievable player, Ballon d'Or winner, European Cup winner. Um, he was pulled from the wreckage of uh, at Munich of the plane and uh, by Harry Gregg, who was also passed away in the last few years. And the fact that Matt Busby and Bobby Charlton survived the that uh, that accident means Manchester United are what they are today. The story is completely different. Um. The modern Manchester United was born after Munich and the re- and Sir Matt Busby setting about the task of rebuilding that side. And Charlton came out of the wreckage of that and became Manchester United's greatest ever player and England's greatest ever player. Hmm. I mean, people were always trying to do this. I, I you know, how, how do you, because it's all superlatives, it's really hard to talk about a guy like this. It really is. He, he was truly, truly a brilliant, brilliant footballer. And, you know, comparing him now, well, who was he like? He was a, a goal scoring, a, a midfielder who scored goals, who could create. But if you hear other people of that era talking about him, he could tackle. He could win the ball. He was the all action midfielder. And you watch that old footage of 1966. The goals he scored against Portugal, just his general play throughout the tournament. He was a 
he was an all-action midfielder. He was Gerrard times a hundred. He was Lampard times a hundred. He was he was mm. truly an unbelievable footballer. And and like I said, modern day Manchester United doesn't happen without him. Um, and you know, a reminder. Obviously, he won the World Cup in '66 with his brother Jackie, who passed away in 2020. But a kind of reminder of the the lineage and the hotbed of football that. Because it's easy to see the northeast, Newcastle. I mean, apart from the last few seasons, perennial relegation candidates, relegated twice in the last ten years. Sunderland, we know the the whole story about them going down to League One. Middlesbrough trying to make it up from the championship. It's easy to see that area as some kind of um you know fallow or or difficult place for English football. Um, their cousin was Jackie Milburn one of the greatest strikers ever to play for Newcastle United. Uh, he was he was related to them on their mother's side. Um, that area also produced Brian Clough, who was one of the greatest goal scorers before he was injured to go on to become one of the greatest managers. Like, it just reminded me, that region, Paul Gascoigne, Chris Waddle, Peter Beardsley, it's just, it's a stunning place for football and a place that gets disregarded, I think. Um, yeah, I, I was so sad because Charlton, Pele, Best, Beckenbauer, Cruyff, those are the names we grew up with. And when you're my age and they've always been there, you think like they're never going away. You think death is not for them. They will always be there. Um, and Bobby Charlton was just this constant figure in the stands at Manchester United. You know, I know he went into management at Preston. Didn't I don't think it really worked out for him. Uh, he ended up running Bobby Charlton soccer schools, which unearthed players like David Beckham as well. Um, uh, he was just a constant around Manchester United and kind of became, an, you know, uh, not just an ambassador for them. Anyone can do that role. He was he was Manchester United. It was it was who he was as a person. And. Um, turning up wearing the blazer at games and and um, stories about how he'd go down to the to the dress. I mean, how many ex players get to go down and address the team 30, 40, 50 years after they've played? Um, and he could go down and 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 talk to the Manchester United team in the locker room before and after games. Um, a, a truly truly brilliant footballer and the footage. <laughs> Uh, some the way he could strike the ball, he seemed to be able to hit the ball so hard and so true. Um, a fantastic footballer, and I'm I'm very very sad. He, he another footballer as well that in the last few years we discovered has dementia, Alzheimer's. Yeah. Um. And uh, and the, the figures from that from '66 team and from uh, football of that era in general is is not good for people who end up with um with that disease. So, uh, I, again, it's. I'm almost boring to talk about him because no. he was that good. He he was, and he was that much of a legend of the sport. And, um, yeah, I've just uh, there was one very touching moment, and it was doing the rounds. It's I think it was 2007. He was given some lifetime award by BBC Sport at a gala event that's on TV, and everyone is there. And a lot of the 66 team, the remaining from the 66 team are, are on stage and he's presented this award and 
his brother Jack Charlton comes up on stage and goes he's asked about Bobby Charlton and he goes um, he's the greatest player I've ever played with he's the greatest player in the world and he's my brother and it was just such a lovely moment because they'd been estranged their relationship had been difficult over over the past few years and um, to see them come together for that moment was absolutely lovely and another hero is gone and um, it's very it's, I shouldn't say it's very sad guy was 86 yeah. what a life he had but it is sad and I feel sad yeah well, that's well said well said thank you for all that um, yeah, yeah. Uh, JJ I don't have much else on this one anything else from you no man I'm 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 spent it's time for Betty bye byes all right. Well, hey, enjoy Wednesday night at Red Bull Arena. Yeah. That should be fun. I look forward to the a full report on that as we record at a completely unknown time afterwards. Well, I could ask them to. No, I'm not asking them. Can I record there? And by the <laughs> time okay. the pod is over, what time would I get home at? Like, yeah, be a, yeah. I mean, it is it is going to Mordor for a Brooklyn guy, but yeah, kind of is. How are you going to get there? All public uh, transportation? If... Are you going to rent a car? What are you going to do? So I think. Oh, I mean, I've got a car, but I don't want to drive out in the traffic. I don't want to lose that sweet, sweet spot that I've got as well. Um, people who live in New York realize once you get a parking spot, you got to keep it. So I think I'll I'll get the subway, the path, and take the path out there. And you know what? Good for the environment. Uh, nice journey. Listen to a podcast and um, all good. All right. It's not that bad of a trip. It's much better than it used to be. Um, yeah, be fun. Soak in the atmosphere. See... See, uh, see the fans, the supporters. I'm, God, I hope that place is full. I hope it's full, and you know, it's no guarantee it will. I be. mean, it's look for. I hate to say it, but for a lot of people, people who here's the thing about living in the New York area, it's just so big and crowded. Like nothing is easy. There's no easy trip to go anywhere, and I think a lot of people especially during the, in the middle of the, of a work week at night, it's just, people just aren't doing it. And like, look, I know that, you know, the Mets, Yankees, they can sell out games and things like, yeah. but even they struggle, the Mets struggle. At, you know, so but they're right on the subway lines. Yeah. That's, at least I mean, they, you can say that, but this would, they would tell you that path is essentially the same thing. I don't know. I, all I'm saying is I, I don't know the red, they struggle for attendance. They do. I don't know if, if a playing game is, is going to change that, but you'll be there, you'll be doing your part. So that's good. I love that stadium. I, I, I it's all, there isn't a bad a, seat in the great, place. It's a great place to watch a game. It really honestly is. Yeah. So enjoy the grass that. frost oh, on the we, pumpkin. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Hey, have fun out there. Um, to everybody listening, please rate and review to this podcast. Tell a friend about this podcast, subscribe to this podcast, all those things. JJ, uh, I think it's now eight weeks running his promised merchandise. So maybe next week could be the week. Well, you, there's no way of oh, knowing. Oh, it's coming. But, I'm but, so excited. But no, stay tuned. Yeah. I, I should, I've literally the seen him, no, I've seen the him wearing they, the shirts. Like they exist. Wearing, I'm wearing it right well, he's now. He's wearing it now. I couldn't, yeah. it was out of view on the camera. Um, yeah, so right they, they do exist. That He's hoarding them. I don't understand I'm, exactly what's going on, but. Well, your schedule means I'm up to all hours. So I don't really have the energy to do anything in the day except sleep. So no. that's your fault. Uh, understood. I apologize. Hey, this was great. Uh, JJ, to you, I say. I I, I was trying to think of the line. Um, I am an oilman. <laughs> that's, that's all I can think of you now, just hammering away. <laughs> uh, 
JJ, I, I, I don't even, I don't remember how I even finished this now after you, after you <laughs> Check you later, phone boy. Oh my Take God. Care, I'll see you. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.